This is the second part of our podcast. Please enjoy the show. There's also, in this week, been a lot in the media about, well, a quieter amount about Dennis Skinner. It seemed that for a few weeks he was in this never-ending battle about seats, and the minute he looked away, someone stole a seat, and it turns out it was nonsense. Nobody has a right to a seat. You, can't, bag, you can't bag a seat in advance, no? Well, you can, right, okay. um, but you don't have, like, there's no Tory seats and Labour seats mm-hmm. in the rules. Mm-hmm. This is how I understand it. Convention says that the Tories will sit on that side yep. of the House um, and the opposition parties will sit on the opposite side mm-hmm. of the House. So where the dispatch boxes are and, and where the Speaker sits, the opposite side to the Tories is the Labour benches. Not the Labour benches, but the main opposition mm-hmm. party. Then the third opposition, uh, the third uh, biggest party, gets the front two benches by convention of the next row of seats down. And then it's just a free-for-all for the people on the opposition benches. Um, but what happened was, and Dennis Skinner is in that bit where the third largest party, he always just sat there and that's fine, nobody minds. But what happened, what was happening was um, Labour MPs were coming in and sitting in those front two rows, which by convention of the third largest party. So um, the whips tried to sort it out um, and our whip compromise can't remember what the compromise was but we reduced what we would normally be able to expect Mm -hmm. to get in terms of a a kind of reserved Mm -hmm. seating allocation and they just they just said no they just and the reason appears to be they don't want us sitting together in a group they want us to be separated Mm -hmm. so that when one of us is making a maiden speech we don't have that support Mm -hmm. around us which is really quite mealy-mouthed if you ask Mm me but they don't want it to look as though we're a sizable group, which we clearly are. Especially in recent images, where there's been a few images sort of circulating social media of the SNP MPs in a nice solid block, all yeah. supporting each other, and three folk. Yeah. <laughs> they don't like that. They, no. I mean, I mean, that was despite their best efforts to stop mm-hmm. us. The only way to save a seat, um, and it's a wee bit like um, being on holiday and getting your towels on the <laughs> on the sun loungers yeah. first thing in the morning. The only way to save a seat is you can reserve a seat if you want to go to prayers, which happens immediately mm. before every debating uh, session starts. Um, so uh, you go at eight o'clock in the morning and the door staff will give you a prayer card and you go and you put it in the slot behind the seat that you want. And that's your seat for the rest of the day if you turn up for prayers. If you don't turn up for prayers, that is taken away and that becomes anybody's Mm. seat. So what we've had to do is go down at eight o'clock in the morning and reserve the front two benches. Um, Which historically the third party wouldn't normally have had to do because convention would have sort of respected that. Yeah. But even going down at eight o'clock in the morning is not good enough now. Um, now, what was it? Something, oh, PMQs the other day, Prime Minister's questions. Some of us got there at eight o'clock, but some Labour members had got there at half past seven, were in front of the queue. Instead of reserving a seat in the Labour benches, they reserved our front row. <laughs> and it's incredibly childish, but we can't, we can't just sit back and not mm-hmm, do yeah. anything about it. Because if you don't get a seat, you can't speak in the debate. Mm. So we have to, and also it's not right um, what they're doing. So actually some of us then went, as there were no other seats, and reserved our prayer cards 
in the second row of their the Labour benches. It sounds childish, but we have to do it because they don't like that. And the more they don't like it, the more they'll pull their members into line. What I've heard is that that nobody can control these uh, Labour MPs. Their whips have said to them, look, don't do it, but they're still doing it. I don't know if that's true. Maybe the whips are the ones that are telling them to do it. I don't know, but, you know, it's really, really boring me now. It's tiring me out. You know, what, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to go at seven o'clock in the morning, stand there waiting for an hour, instead of spending that time helping our constituents? But, you know, it, it's just incredibly childish and, and I really wish there were rules that could deal with this or I wish somebody in that place would just make a ruling on it. Richard Arkless posted on Facebook about a weekly meeting of the 56 SNP MPs and that Nicola Sturgeon attended recently. Um, this is the first I've heard of this meeting. How, how does that work? Is that, is, that a, is that a new thing? Is that something that's always happened? It's something that's always happened. In every parliament where we've got parliamentarians, you have a weekly, what they call a group meeting. So the group of parliamentarians uh, meets. Nicola doesn't come to every meeting. <laughs> she's quite busy in Scotland. Um, but she tries to come down to every third meeting if she's got business in London, then she'll come along to our group meeting. So basically that's the opportunity for us to discuss strategy or, or as we have been doing at the initial ones, talk about when we're going to get an office to work from, speak, you know, ask questions about procedures, how does it all work, the things we don't know, like for instance the seating allocation and stuff like that. So, but it's quite uh, quite a big meeting, 56 of us in the one room. There's only two rooms where we can have this meeting because nowhere else is big enough. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a good thing to do though. It's good, good for us. And it's great to have Nicola there. Um, she came this week and she, um, Tasmina was about to do her maiden speech. So we decided that we would postpone the group meeting all go in, listen to Tasmina doing her speech, and Nicola came in to watch it, and she said that when she looked down and she saw all of us sitting there on those green benches, she, she said she got one of those moments again, <laughs> where she just, the moments that, you know, we all get every so often, where she just thought, oh my goodness. Um, and uh, she was telling me that she just laughed when she saw me, and she just thought, this is madness. <laughs> and Anne's an MP now. Um, I think she meant in a good way. Yeah, no, she did mean in yeah, a good way. But yeah, she was great. She was telling us how excited all the MSPs are when they see things that we're doing and how it's really given them a boost as well yeah. in the Scottish Parliament. So, Because we're sort of down there and we don't know how everyone's reacting. We're, we're in that bubble. They're mm -hmm. in their bubble. Mm -hmm. it, you know, and we all want to spend as much time out of the bubble as possible, but it's very nice if somebody comes from one bubble to the <laughs> other and yeah. informs you what's happening on planet Scottish Parliament. <laughs> and <laughs> um, Talking about your business in the Parliament, you tweeted during the week about um, the voting process and how arcane it was. Oh. How did that work? So you were in Parliament, there was a vote, did you have to go into the division lobby? How did... It was, we were all voting on the Queen's speech and there were, there were Labour amendments, which we voted for. And then there was an SNP amendment against austerity, which Labour voted against. They voted with the Tories against it. But um, away from the politics, the, the kind of procedures around it are just really strange. So you get out of your seat and you either cross over and go out, the, depending on what, whether you're I or no, um, so you cross over and you go out of the chamber to the corridors along that run alongside the chamber. Um, 
And so I, you know, you go out to the the eye lobby and uh, you then pass through, um, there's, they do it in alphabetical order, but it's a bit odd because A to F, if you're A to F, you go through this little passageway and you give your name to one of the tellers. I think the tellers are other MPs, might not be, can't tell yet, but you give your name to somebody who's got a list of all mm -hmm. MPs and they score it off. Then you cross through a doorway and um, there, I think that's where the other MPs are. So there's MPs from both sides of the house and they count the number who come through to make sure it matches up with the tally from the people who are scoring your name off a list. That sounds like a high-tech system. Oh, honestly, and there's big log jams because for some reason you've got um, three different lobbies, so or three different passageways. One is A to F, I think it is. The other is G to M, and then you've got N to Z. So half the alphabet <laughs> is in. But for some reason, there must be more people in the G to M uh, name bracket. Because it's all those great people with Mick, Mick surnames. Yeah, yeah and, and it, funnily enough, I was behind some Labour MPs um, today, uh, not, not, not today, the other day when we were voting, and we were talking about how that one was really log-jammed because there were so many M's. And I heard this Labour MP saying, well, of course, it'll be all the Micks, she says, because now we've got all these Scottish people here. <laughs> and her colleague said, well, yeah, but we've always had Scottish people. And she went, oh, yeah, it's SNP people. Yeah, they're, yeah. And they, mm. they seem to conflate yeah. SNP with Scottish, whereas I don't think they conflated anybody with Scottish no. before. It's quite funny to hear that. Yeah, it sounds good. I mean, it sounds like, you know, that's the perception anyway, that they were people in the past were Labour MPs first. Mm -hmm. And yeah. sort of of their constituency second. And so yeah. that's good then that people are seeing them as being, as you being Scottish MPs yeah. and not necessarily SNP. It's not the first time I've heard people saying, oh, we've got all the Scottish here now, all the Scots are here now. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, there were plenty of Scots, the same number of Scots before. But so we did that vote and then sat down again. And then, of course, they come in and um, they give the results and somebody reads out the results and then the, the not the presiding officer, the speaker, or in this case, the deputy speaker uh, says, um, order, order. <laughs> and you all sit down and listen and she says, um, uh, and, and they do it in such a kind of exaggerated way. I mean, I, that was not me exaggerating it. Right. It's actually louder and order, yeah. order. So you sit down and then it's, the eyes, and she reads out how many, the nose, and then she said, the eyes have it, the eyes have it. And um, we were all sort of laughing because at one point when the Tories got their way, well, they got their way every time, but when they got their way, their reaction was like, you know, completely over the top. And we're all sitting going, calm down, for goodness sake, you know, <laughs> calm down. It's, But it's all just quite... I don't know, it's just over the top. And mm -hmm. and then, of course, once that happened, we were voting on the next amendment, so we had to traipse round again. And I felt like I was on this giant merry-go-round. Mm -hmm. And all the way, Carol Monaghan, who's the North West, Glasgow North West MP, kept saying electronic voting, electronic yeah. voting. It would simplify <laughs> things yeah. significantly. They had it on You Bet in the 90s. And there's a reference. So surely What's they can have it. You Bet? Remember You Bet? It was a Matthew Kelly programme and you had to bet about where... <laughs> I'm of an age I shouldn't remember that. I'd like to point out, but I do. Um, and they've got that in Scottish Parliament, don't they? You vote at your little uh, yeah. desk. Um, you don't have to waste 20 minutes having a bit of exercise. 
this Scottish, Maybe that's it. but it's not exercise because you're just standing in a oh, queue. Yeah, I and um, one of the doormen said to me, but he said, the good thing about it, though, Anne, is he said, you could, you know, he said, you might want a government minister to pay attention to a particular issue, he said, and you've got to write to them and wait ages for them to get back. He said, but if you're going through the lobbies with them, then you can just chat to them. And I said, and how many times do you think I'll be going through the same lobbies as a Tory minister? Yeah. And he said, oh, yeah. You're Scottish. And I'm like, no, I'm no. SNP. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny. It's yeah. funny. But it's silly. It's very antiquated. I think that's a pretty thin excuse, isn't it? That you get to speak to people as you walk down the corridor. Yeah. More chance to campaign. Yeah. Recently, you were at a demonstration about Dungable. Um Yeah, the STUC had a, a, a demo to close Dungavel. I think the hashtag was closed on Gavel. Um, and they had a number of non-party political speakers. Um, and I just went along to offer my support. Um, and because I've always uh, been opposed to, to jailing people who've done nothing wrong. Um, and, Revolutionary stance. Uh, I know. <laughs> um, and it is a jail. Um, I went to visit uh, somebody in there once, uh, a child um, and her mother. And I felt like a criminal going in there and I was only going in to visit. I was an MSP at the time. And, you know, the place is surrounded by barbed wire. Um, you look out the windows and that's what you see is high walls with barbed wire on top. So that tells you you're in a jail. You can't come and go as you please. There are people in there for years on end. Their case is never settled and they've done nothing wrong. All they've done is asked for help. And uh, I think they don't have children in Dungavel anymore, but the promise to end child detention, child asylum seeker detention, I think didn't happen. I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that they still do it down in England. So they ended it on Scottish soil. Very good. But it still happens down south. Not so good. But this demonstration was basically saying don't imprison people who, you know, you have to remember many of these people have fled having been tortured, raped, you know, by by their governments, by their armies, by the people that are supposed to protect them in their country of origin. So they fled something like that and desperately asking for our help and we put them in jail. And it's not acceptable. And I thought what was great about the demonstration was at the end, everybody just made their way up to the prison walls and banged on the walls to let the people in there know that we were there. They knew we were having a demonstration, but just to make a really loud noise mm. so that they could feel that solidarity um, and I think uh, I've learned over the years from people in really desperate circumstances that I mean in particular a woman I know who was in the African National Congress in South Africa when Nelson Mandela was in jail and when she was living under the apartheid regime um, I know that just a little message that people out there care and that they're out demonstrating for you, it makes a significant difference to how people cope with being in the prison that they're in. So it was really important to do that and I was really glad that I was able to get along. And you appeared in the media a few times over the past week. We mentioned the New Statesman interview, uh, but you also wrote an article for the Evening Times in which you talked about various things, including Black Rod, Sword Hooks, Ghost Stories, the state opening of Parliament and the comparative lack of ritual in the Scottish Parliament. Um, Blackrod and Sortix, what's that all about? 
Oh, I, I still don't know what Black Rod's role is. That's not me denigrating his role, it's certainly not. Um, but I'm, I still need to find out what that's all about. But he seems to lead the speaker into the house, a bit, bit of a ceremonial role. Um, now, the swords, yes. Well, I didn't know this until uh, last week. There's a member's cloakroom. I'd missed that bit in the induction somehow. Um, I don't have a cloak, though, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but there's a member's cloakroom and there's a space to hang your sword. And so, until the other day, I had no office to work from at Westminster. I've now managed to get one. It's about three hours walk away, but no, I'm exaggerating. It's not three hours. <laughs> it's quite far, though. Um, but I had no office to work from, uh, but I had a place to hang my sword. And I was tempted to just go and buy a sword for the sake of it. I noticed a couple of them have hung toy plastic swords. <laughs> <laughs> but it obviously just dates back to... Yeah. when they obviously did have swords mm. as MPs. But I am allowed, apparently, to carry a sword in London. When I was in the Houses of Parliament, I got the proper pat-down treatment. And you're allowed to walk, that's like being an MP, though, you get to walk in with a sword. No one's asking you any questions Yeah. I'm just interested about the person who walked in with a plastic sword. That must have been a fun interaction. Can I, can I check your pockets, sir? <laughs> well, plastic sword. <laughs> There's actually a couple of them in this member's cloakroom. Um, and I think your name is above your peg, you know, right. like in school, you've got a name above your peg. So I'll go and have a look and see whose swords they well, are. And You should buy a really comedy sword and hang up someone else's peg. <laughs> really? <laughs> that would confuse them. This is David Cameron's foam sword. <laughs> of course, he'll have a peg in there you as know. well, yeah. You also mentioned then the the lack of ritual in comparison to the Scottish Parliament. So you've been in both parliaments mm -hmm. and you've just mentioned, you know, having to walk through lobbies and all sorts of stuff. Is that, is that really that different from the Scottish Parliament to yeah. the Westminster Parliament? It's completely different. Um, the, the Scottish Parliament is so modern, user-friendly, straightforward. I loved it. Um, I'm, I'm not one for ritual and ceremony, um, but... I can appreciate some of the, the rituals and ceremonies in Westminster and I can admire it as a sort of, in the way that I admire other people's cultures. You know, mm. I don't necessarily want that to be part of my culture, but, you know, it's interesting mm. as an observer. Uh, but in the Scottish Parliament, the attitude is very much just, you know, roll your sleeves up and get on with it. And so everyone's got a seat. You don't have a reserved seat, but everyone's got a seat. Um, and on it, you have a pad that you can press to indicate that you wish to speak in a debate um, or you also know in advance if you're going to be speaking in the debate because you know how many speakers there are going to be um, you know how long you're getting to speak there are set times for somebody who is proposing um, a motion whoever if you're speaking in it you know that you can't remember what it is it might be four minutes mm. can't remember it rarely changes uh, when you're voting, you press yes or no or abstain, and it's done electronically and um, very quickly. Yeah, the whole thing, and, it, and it's obviously there's a lot more light and air. I find within Westminster, I don't, sometimes I feel I need to drink lots and lots of water because it's, it's, not, um, it's not air conditioned, there's not a lot of natural light in mm -hmm. there. 
So the Scottish Parliament is almost the opposite of uh, Westminster, but, you know, both interesting in their ways. But, yeah, I would quite like them to update things a wee bit in Westminster. But having been there a couple of weeks, I don't see any appetite um, from anyone else apart from the SNP for any anything to be updated. Nobody else seems to think it's strange. Uh, not even the fantastic people who work there doing doing the ordinary jobs. They they embrace it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just us that sits there going, mm, "This is odd." Have you got anything coming up in the constituency that you've you've had emails about or events coming up that you want people to know about? I suppose the biggest thing, the thing I've had the most communication about. I've had a lot of people getting in touch about their individual circumstances, problems with housing, always lots of problems with housing, uh, welfare problems some legal matters obviously i can't give legal advice but i can help in other ways Uh, but the biggest thing at the moment is the school transport decision that glasgow city council took to reduce school transport so what i've had is um maybe a dozen parents um of children who go to st monica's primary in milton and they were told when their high school was closed down, they were promised that there would be transport to take children to All Saints in Barmulloch, which anyone who knows the north of Glasgow will know, that is really rather far away mm-hmm. from Milton. Um, so that was fine. They, they agreed to, I'm sure they weren't given any choice right enough, but they, on the promise that they would get school transport, and they have had school transport, but now it's being cut. So the promise basically was, we promise we'll shut down your school, but we'll give you school transport until we change our minds and they've changed their minds. So I think the rule was that it was, if it was over two miles, you were entitled to transport for your children, but they've changed it now to three miles. Um, The parents of the children affected, and, and it's happening across the city, but my primary concern is obviously my constituents. So the parents who contacted me are organising a walk, I think it's one day this week, and I'll need to look at that, but I know certainly it's a day when I'm in Westminster, so I can't do it. But they're going to walk from uh, Milton to All Saints in Vermilloch. They've already done it, but they're organising an organised walk and they say it takes one hour and 20 minutes Mm. and that is not right. And you cannot expect uh, young children to do that. And bear in mind, we're talking about... um, not, not everybody in Milton is on a low income, but it certainly has a very high proportion of people who are depending on welfare benefits or who do earn low wages. And they can't afford to be paying for their kids to get public transport, nor would I want to send a 12-year-old, for instance, on to two different buses to get to school. And many of them don't have cars. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really angry about this because I've had some really heartfelt letters from parents one whose uh, one of our children has has recovered from cancer but he's not fully you know he's not like as healthy and as strong as he was and she 
obviously she doesn't she wants them to be fit and healthy she wants them to be able to walk but an hour and 20 minutes to get to school and an hour and 20 minutes to get back and anything could happen to them en route i if it was my kids i certainly couldn't allow them to do that and again if any of them are listening uh, in this past week i'm struggling with 100 plus emails a day but i sent somebody along to their meeting i know the local councillor snp councillor is supporting them and i am supporting them i just haven't uh, managed to keep in touch with them this week but i certainly will What are your plans for surgeries in the area? Have you got a schedule for when people can come and see you or where you're going to be available to talk to folk? What I'm doing is this week I'm working with um, Annette who works for me on putting together the schedule. I want to have as many surgeries in as many places as possible and I want to make it as regular as I can so that I can put something out saying every second Saturday I'll be at a, B, C, D, E and F and at these times and just stick to that. Um, but I, um, the reason it's taking so long, well, maybe it's not taking long. I mean, I've only been elected a few weeks, but the reason I'm taking my time over it is because I want to be sure that I'm doing it in places that I think people will come to. And I think sometimes an out of the way library is maybe not always the best place. So I'm looking to see is there a community centre where there's a lot of things going on on a particular Saturday or a particular Friday that I know there will be lots of people there anyway I can have a surgery at the same time so that they can go to their thing and pop in to see me I'm just trying to look at the best way to make it as accessible to as many people as possible and then stick to those times but I will be having lots of surgeries because I think I want to meet as many people that I'm going to be supporting as possible and we're doing surgeries uh, the staff are doing surgeries at the moment but I also want to I find it frustrating that I'm down in Westminster all the time when I really want to be doing the job that Annette's doing for instance I want to be here meeting people and hearing what their concerns are and then getting on with making the phone calls and I know I can't I just can't fit all that in but if I can have as many surgeries as possible then I get to meet as many people as, as, as possible. Mm -hmm. Well, that was another episode of Parliamental. Anne and I will return every fortnight to talk Glasgow North East and Westminster, two places that are a little bit closer now that the area has Anne in place. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can contact us on Twitter at ParliamentalPod, on Facebook, search for Parliamental, and via email at ParliamentalPodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review if you like the show. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye.